What up? Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Day good. So I've got a question for you. Yep. Is capitalism a good thing? Mm-hmm. That, uh, well, I don't have like a sweeping, vomitous reaction, you know, oh my God, it's the worst, it's the best. There's, it's, um, I have a sense that there is, um, good and bad to it, which is not much of an answer, but the, that it's almost like, um, like technology, like you build a piece of technology and it could be used for good or for, for ill mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And then also I, I think like, I'm not so sure we have uh, what, what kind of great alternatives we have. Um, that said, I tend to focus on the things that bother me about it without mm-hmm. reflecting on the, what it's done that's good. And then my, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop is that like, I, when I, I don't reflect often on what's good, but then what's my framework for good? Um, and it's very much informed by this, you like, how much is it woven into me that I need to be constantly productive, but then we're going to die. Nobody's going to remember any of it. So like, would it have been really much better for us all to have not tried to be most efficient and most productive, but most happy Mm. and, um, find some delicate balance between what capitalism is driven in terms of gains for health, um, versus what it's done to quality of life for these longer lifespans that we have. Mm, right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I don't even know exactly what it is because it's so tied up in, I think it's so closely associated with, I think it's loosely associated with democracy and it's loosely associated with industrialism, like the industrial age, but I don't think they're all exactly the same thing. And I think industrialism surely was, would have been impossible, uh, maybe not impossible without capitalism. Cause I could imagine a communist state creating an industrial machine. I don't even have to imagine. <laughs> I'm aware of one. So industrialism, I think is of the two, I'm actually more, more, like you said, you know, fire can be good or bad, you know, tool or, or a terror. I feel like industrialism, um, has had some real big downsides. Like uh, surely it's responsible for massive wealth creation and productivity. And there's there's no, I don't think there's any arguing that, but the mindset of industrialism, industrial revolution and, and profit maximization as a moral good. I, I don't know how, I don't know where that, that concept, like profit maximization as a moral good. I don't know if that falls under capitalism or under industrialism, but I think it's run its course and is producing diminishing returns, if not negative. So I'm not a big fan well, of that. Well, yeah, and and how would that statement have felt 20 years ago versus now, where not only do you have diminishing returns in terms of like uh, the quality of life and how it may be degrading the social contract in terms of am I getting enough to want to participate in this rodeo mm-hmm. versus now when industrial, I, I think we should probably make an attempt at defining capitalism and industrialism to mm-hmm. just have some common ground to work from. But if I'm thinking about industrialism yielding efficiencies, yielding uh, automation, yielding um, compartmentalization, and uh, ultimately uh, what should be producing more leisure time across the board is leading you know, our transition from a single family working to two parents working to two parents working and not having time off and two parents working and not having enough to 
you know, make ends meet. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, robots at checkout at CVS mm-hmm. and which I guess is just a long way of me saying like, you know, did, where, when did the diminishing returns start to hit? And then how much worse did it get when automation started literally taking jobs? Mm. Yeah, there's consumerism too, right? Consumerism is another angle here, which I think is also loosely related or maybe maybe closely related, but different. So the thing, the thing with me, I think there's also this question that always comes up with capitalism is like, how much regulation should there be? I, I hear a lot of people talking a lot lately about macroeconomics in a way that I think some of them don't actually understand because I definitely don't understand it and they seem to be parroting the same things I don't understand and and unable to help me understand it. So it makes me think they don't really understand it either. But at at this high level, there's this concept of the sort of Adam Smith invisible hand of the market will, will is a, is a force for good because there's a reward for someone to solve really big problems. Um, and, and I think a pure capitalist would argue that the reason capitalism hasn't become sort of savior of society is that it's been messed with by regulations so that it can't operate freely. And I, and I think that's BS. I, I don't think that, I think what would end up happening with a pure capitalism model is that, especially combined with industrialism, because we have these machines that can do really big things like make anything from a computer mouse to a rocket. Like you don't do that without a factory. So, so there's this, you know, intensive outlay of capital, which then needs to be recouped for the incentives to work. And that's just going to leave a lot of small, but a lot of unprofitable, but big problems unsolved. So if, if the profit, I, I think the one thing about capitalism is, that is for sure in the definition is that it is a financial profit motive. Take money and make more money out of the money by adding value to society. Yeah. So let's try and define that a little bit. So I think think capital to me, it's the big distinction with capitalism from, from, and I believe me, this is like as fact-free a conversation as anyone's going to ever hear, um, (laughs) or at least my end of it. But the, the, um, I feel like it's private ownership of of uh, money, and and I think then there, you touched on something about you know the regular. Then there's free market, which mm-hmm. is the dial up and down. So like if I look at a spectrum of capitalism to not capitalism, to me that would be all ownership is private on the full end capitalism side, mm-hmm. and then the opposite of that state doesn't own anything, right? And then I guess it would be, I don't know if socialism and communism both go to the other extreme where the ownership is all the, the state. I think certainly communism and so socialism, I think, is the means of production is owned by the by the workers, by the people. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's somewhere in between communism and capitalism. And then the profit piece, I think, is just um, that's a motive that. I think comes along for the ride with private markets. But I think if you had a different moral framework or if you had a different social contract, or if you had a different aim, you could say, you know, we have all these private dollars that there are no, there are no state dollars. It's all private dollars. Yeah. But my, I, I, I can aim to not make profit. My, my goal, I could make quality of life, my goal, or I could make employing mm-hmm. the most people, my goal. So I don't know where the, race to profit exactly comes from 
at least as far as my conception of it. Yeah. Right. You know, like what's the, what's the, so if we imagine that, if we imagine that, I think, and I think you're right about the uh, private property has to be part of it. So if, if you say like, if you say like everybody's got private money or like all the money is private money and you can decide how to invest it to make more money or, or let's just be more, a little bit more charitable, have more impact, more positive impact on people's lives um, and do that in a way that you think is the best use of those resources kind of comes down to what your mission is or like you said a moral framework it's like what's your mission is your mission to be the one that dies with the most toys that's that seems bankrupt you know morally bankrupt and just empty like just ridiculous um not that status games don't exist but but that's just just seems so unfulfilling um and it's perhaps where i think people who are anti-capitalist would probably point to you know like gross inequity of distribution of wealth so okay but what if what if what if the motive could be arbitrary in a capitalist model and it wasn't maximizing shareholder value right right so if that wasn't the motive but you you do have i i think there was some some point in the early 2000s where a new type of corporation was identified that was a hybrid of nonprofit and for-profit if i remember right it was like a it was a goody goody two-shoes profit i think it's a b corp it was like social good was supposed to be implicit in the definition and it would still get some kind of tax preferred status but it was still free to make profit that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but i think i also my definition of capitalism probably doesn't maybe doesn't go far enough because like you're saying like Okay, so it's all private property, but then you, so you still have, you know, it's a new, it's a new country, a new landmass, new landmass. Everybody's got a bunch of stuff on that landmass. They still need to have a framework for interacting with each other. That's you know some kind of a social order. And so capitalism, I, I wonder if you wanted to, if you were aiming for capitalism, I think it implies certain things about uh political like you were saying like there's some relationship with the politics like that you know you would have a social order that would allow private investment to play private investment and private exchanges to to play out but that the dominating like it would be like a minimum social order by by some by some governing party Mm -hmm. just there to allow you know free exchange so i think maybe maybe it is more than just a financial system maybe it's also a, like a social and political system in some way yeah I I, yeah i think i think you just touched on like that that's where they touch because you can't have private property without rule of law so can you have private property without rule of law it feels you like you could as long as you're ready to defend it against all comers right so um yeah i don't i don't think that would i think that would destroy that would destroy a market so that's kind of like, that'd be like, this is a bad metaphor, but that would be like, um, like a Taekwondo, Olympic Taekwondo competitor fighting an MMA and they're both using their own rules. Like they're not playing by the same rules. MMA guy's going to win every time because he can cheat basically as far as the Olympic guy is concerned. Right. And that's what you hear all the time, right? That what's the role of government is like a level playing field. I hear that phrase yeah, I guess a lot. So. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't, because if you, because all you need is like one or a small number of actors to air quotes cheat but if there's no rule of law it's not really cheating it's just like survival of the fittest and i don't know right. if, you know like animal on animal violence isn't pretty 
it's like like nature's nice but it's it's uh it's pretty dark so i i feel like you do need to have a government you need to have some kind of you need to have some kind of rule of law where the rules by which everyone plays are reasonably enforced you know across the the gamut otherwise the the it's like you're churning the soil too much. Nothing's ever going to grow. Like you can't grow a tomato plant, a, co- a corporation or, or a company or organization over the course of a hundred years if the soil keeps getting turned out from underneath it. Like there needs to be a platform or like you yeah. said, a playing field yeah. for long-term and growth. I agree. And I think the other thing that you said before about profit is uh, I maybe I was too cavalier about the profit piece because if you, isn't there an issue where if you take profit out of capitalism like you're implicitly what is it it's like you're um the the value of what you're doing is defined in your in in the ability it's like if the thing you're doing is valuable it it will people will compensate you for more than what it took to make it in theory your business model could screw that up though degrees after that right like well i don't think you could say you know here's capitalism where the cap is you break even but you feel great about it you know, mm-hmm. because you're, the investments are happening everywhere else. Like, I don't know if that's capitalism anymore, even if it was all guided by, you know, pr- private, like, like you were talking about before, like, this is a grassroots thing. The government's not saying it, but 99.9% of all uh, owners of, of, um, of wealth have decided they do not want to make a profit. They want to just break even and then invest, invest the, the rest of their earnings or not make any earnings leave the earnings in, in the buyer's pocket like mm. is that even capitalism anymore yeah that's a good question i, I it, it's so funny because it really depends on what the investors think so if you imagine if you imagine that people are investing in companies i think which which even buying a product in a sense is investing in a company but but in the public market in the united states you theoretically have some voting rights and there's fiduciary responsibility if you're a public company so there's a lot of stuff going on there, but to your point, there's you could have a business model where you were creating you just a bad business model, which would look like right. this. You you could just say like, okay, we are maybe not even a public company, but just like a for profit, uh, and you create like a massive amount of value for society that is independent. So you can create a massive amount of value and capture all of it, capture none of it. But there's a certain amount you probably need to capture in order to cover your expenses in order to keep coming back day after day after day to create the value for society. You won't you won't capture any value if you don't create any. So like step one is do something people want, provide something people want, uh, and then and then the, a lot of times the the you you know just as an example you see like YouTubers crying about this like oh, I've got a million followers or a million subscribers and like. I can't make any money. I still have to work at Starbucks. And it's like, yeah, you have a bad business model because there's no obvious way to capture the value that you're creating or the value that you're creating is so small that there isn't a denomination or a a frictionless. (laughs) We don't have a telescope powerful enough to see the micro amount of value you're generating per person. Right. Because they're just transaction costs that are greater than the the percentage of value that that someone would give back. Like if I could give somebody a hundredth of a penny every time I clicked a video, maybe I would do that. But it's just there's not a way to do it. So so I think I think, yes, I think it's still capitalism. 
could be wrong. I could actually, I reserve the right to be wrong about this, like most things. But I think it's still capitalism. If you're operating in a capitalist framework and you realize that you need to create value and capture some of it in order to come back again tomorrow, but there's an attitude that's dramatically different, which is your, your motivation is not to amass the greatest amount of capital. Your motivation is to have, create the most value and capture enough of it to fund your mission so that you can keep doing it. And I think a, a more entrepreneurial, like big public market capitalist would say, well, you're just playing small if you think like that. So if you've got a mission to feed the hungry or whatever, and, and you just want to make enough money so you can come back tomorrow and fill this, you know, uh, pantry, this public pantry with bread, they would say, you know, and you're just like capturing a minimal value from that. They'd be like, well, you're just playing small. Like if I gave you a hundred million dollars tomorrow, would you be able to have a bigger impact? Some people would actually be overwhelmed by that. And the answer would be no. But a lot of people would be like, yeah, if I had a hundred million dollars, I know exactly what I would do, or at least I know who I would call to have a bigger impact. So it is pretty easy. And this might be a trick that capitalists play on themselves, but it's pretty easy to equate more capital with more impact if you're oriented that way. And if you're, you know, presumably your investors are oriented that way too, because they can put you in jail if they think that you're shirked your duties. So, so then the question becomes, should you be focused on maximal? See, I I think maximal value creation, if you maximize value creation, I don't think anybody could argue with that. But when people are, when people, the thing that gets people in trouble or gets the pitchforks out is when people are maximizing profit. So there's this chunk of value they've created and they're capturing so much of the, the prop, they're capturing so much of the value that there's not that much left over, you know, so kind yeah, of like I'm, greedy. I'm picking that up. I mean, the, the, right. Cause value, this is probably what it comes down to. So the question was, you know, is capitalism a good thing? And then I was like, well, it, it, it may be like in the eye of the, of the user, you know, how, how it's, how it's wheel wielded and like take Walmart as an example. So yeah. Yeah, good they, example. they're, for a long time, people would have would a lot of people would have said that there was a great value in in, in the uh, afford affordable prices, but that it was kind of that thing where the chickens hadn't come home to roost mm-hmm. in terms of like now you're seeing it have a profound impact on our social fabric in terms of and you know Walmart then Amazon right so mm-hmm. uh, mortar and brick stores main streets their ability to compete w- with these behemoths that. Uh, are total children of capitalism and what you would expect total. and want mm-hmm. in a capitalist framework. Yep. They've maximized value. They've lowered cost of production. They have lowered the price of, of goods. They're the shining then, stars. Of, yeah. Shining stars. But, yeah. and I'll say take Walmart rather than Amazon, but with Walmart, you've on, on the one hand, it's been married with like, what are the things that you've lowered the prices on? Like, why are we, why are we buying this, this stuff? Then, you've you've introduced a level of disposability into into products and you've basically found a uh, a group of individuals that you can exploit uh, on the other side of the planet to lower your cost of production like you can't produce and and source at that price in the United States because you have to pay for all of the protections that have been hard fought through the 1900s 
that were a standard of value by the public. So the public valued OSHA standards, the public valued a minimum wage, the public valued Social Security and Medicare. These are all things that are expensive, but were deemed to be valuable enough to be the mm -hmm. law of the land. Right. But we're going to skirt that value and go after these other values. Now, like it's totally on them to decide what value means to them and their shareholders. Right. But like, that's the problem is it comes back to what we've talked about before around who gets to decide what a meaningful life is. Mm. Like they're, they're deciding that that's what their value is. And they'll say, well, we employ all these people. We provide goods. People couldn't afford otherwise. And that's all true now. Um, but the at what cost is still a, an unanswered question, I feel like, with that. Yeah, big time. So, right. And that, and I think that gets back into the government piece, the democracy piece and all of that, because the, the level playing field piece, because at a certain point, you're so dominant at the game that no one else can even, can come close, not even come close to competing. Now you have a monopoly and then there's no, then you actually don't have the kind of market forces that you would you you would want for in a healthy market there's nothing to drive prices so down. as a system maybe you're on to something there for me where you know as a system is it good no because uh as a as a system it collapses on itself every time because if you and and punch holes in this but like if you play capitalism out to its logical extreme you consolidate the markets into a dominant force you yeah like a monopoly is the best case scenario for a capitalist. Agreed. Yes. So like if you're, it, that's, like, definitely that's just true. strictly speaking, like for what we've said is capitalism. So mm -hmm. I, I have, have carved this space out. I, I own the entire market right. for this thing I, because I do it so well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I would love to hear somebody tell me that that is not capitalism to its logical conclusion. So in that sense, it 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 is bad because it unfettered it it's, it fails because one when have we ever seen a monopoly that we were happy with as as a society like never, never right, right? But it, it doesn't what, happen every time though you said it happened it's it is a it's the the logical goal but it doesn't happen every time not even close right but if you're diff, if you're creating a system mm -hmm. like so that that system on its own will will fail because that system that's its logical conclusion so you have to you would have to counterbalance it with something else for it Agreed. to be something that would be tolerable <laughs> yeah. yes and i guess that's where it comes into with a you know how it how it becomes intertwined with a political system so then you have a democracy right. that pairs up with it or you could have uh, a republic or you could have um you know uh uh i mean i'm I'm wondering if where capitalism has been paired with things other than a representative democracy, but that'd be interesting to know. But I think the yeah. point would be that where capitalism is failing, you would depend on the voice of people to be able to say to their um, lawmakers, I need you to make the playing field different because mm -hmm. capitalism on its own is going to fail me every time. Right. Which it feels like, yeah, like now it feels like this gets us over to like lobbying and money and politics and all of that stuff, which I think they are, they are fundamentally intertwined. Like the, this, the, the system of government, they're the referee. So without the referee, you know, 
it's like hut 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 hike and then someone pulls out a gun and just shoots the quarterback we win right right there's no rules if there's no rules if there's no referee there's no one to enforce the rules then it becomes there's no platform for anything long term and you just you just devolve into subsistence farming like that's where you go back to you would immediately almost immediately go back to subsistence farming well it's it is interesting i mean the the drive for consolidation of wealth by private individuals is is maybe a necessity in capitalism i i don't see like if if the if the system is dependent on my ability to have wealth like my first line of defense is amassing wealth so that i don't run out of it like because like all exchange and my ability to to impose my will on the world and and effectuate like my will in the world is dependent on my ability to have private property so amassing in wealth part, in a yeah. capitalist system is like tautological dare i say like it's it's you you have to do that so like why is that good like why is that why is this like something that you know even as even as conservatives who you know and i don't want to get caught up in the political stuff because a lot of it's you know just the flavor of the day to attack the other the other color party but yeah like if you really wanted to look at like william f buckley like conservatives that would look at a free market and private wealth as the having been the savior of western civilization for all of the wonderful things that it has produced in terms of technology and comfort and um you know addressing maslow's hierarchy like up the wazoo for so many people not everybody um but i lost my lost my train of thought there but oh i think it was that like you it's ironic then that those same conservatives would be attacking government which is the only like it, it's like that cognitive dissonance that we've like mm. talked about like if you're gonna have capitalism as a conservative you have to have government or you have you're, to. you're and and so to i think i have think a you narrative, have to. Yeah. to have a narrative that government is a net is an evil is disingenuous because you can't have it seems like you can't have capitalism without an effective referee like you said yeah you have to have rule of law so i i, I don't know but i don't know I'm not really familiar with Buckley. I think libertarians are, in general have this kind of like, uh, they seem actually pretty thoughtful, to be honest, but I th- I just think they're mis- misguided. I could be wrong, but, and I'm also not, su- yet again, not really sure what I'm talking about. But my impression is that they are, they think government is evil. There are definitely people who think government is evil, but libertarians aren't anarchists, but. I know that's what I think an anarchist would, would say is that no, no government. I think libertarians, I don't, I don't know any uh, like central source for what libertarianism stands for, but I, I've never had the impression that it was no government. It was limited government. But then, what we use is that as a political position when you just you end up having to define what is enough government. Like, do you want the, do you want safe drinking water? Yeah. Like, do you want do you the want, FDA? Do you want to be able to go into any restaurant and expect that the food is is healthy? We could not want that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you could let capitalism say, you know, I'm not going to go back to that restaurant because I was poisoned. So now we don't <laughs> need health inspectors anymore because you have Yelp. You know, I, you yeah. know. Right, right. I mean, that's where I don't know this story. I love this story. The first brand that I'm aware of it was uh, I think it was Underwood Deviled Ham, and <laughs> it was it was way back. Before 
the FDA or any kind of regulations. And so the brand really mattered because that was the one that didn't give me diarrhea. That's the only one that doesn't give me diarrhea. Underwood deviled ham or whatever it was. I think that's what it was. Is that, so the, was that, are you just reading copy from like a magazine ad from 1865? I mean, sort of, it's, <laughs> it, I mean, it's from a, a book but that I, I read it in a, a marketing book and it was trying to define what brand is because it seems like such a vague concept for most people nowadays, but it really meant something before there were regulations around food quality. It was like, this is the one that doesn't give me diarrhea. Like, get me that one, right? So it really mattered. And, and you could, I could imagine a libertarian taking that stance where it was like, it's where, where they would be like, look, we don't need the FDA. If, if our deviled ham gives people diarrhea, they're going to stop buying it. We will self-regulate. So uh, all those things are so fraught because the, the size of the people, of the, of the entities that are putting things out in the market, they can reach so many people so fast mm -hmm. that like, I would imagine like in whatever era you're talking about, it's like, what was the reach of that company at, at that time? Right. Probably minimal. You know? yeah. And, and how quickly would you have to move to do it? And then, and it's not even like some vague, you know, the opposite of Adam Smith, you know, the, the invisible fist coming in and saying you need to <laughs> the, the visible fist, <laughs> the, yeah, the visible fist of government. Like it's not the visible fist of government. It's the will and outrage of a mob that saw people, you know, poisoned or are injured. And then there's an outcry. Like there's, a, there are stories in Rhode Island in the last 10 years mm -hmm. of outrage about the lack of, um, inspections at, at a, uh, at a restaurant, you know, people, and maybe it's just because this is the, the the era, but people have an expectation that somebody's out there making sure, like, we're all entitled to safety at every turn, right? Like, yeah. that's the way people live now. But we don't and, want big government. Right, right. So, so who's going to do I, it? The invisible hand? No, right. the invisible hand is demonstrably not going to do it. Well, the invisible hand brought us, you know, uh, children working in factories, yeah, for the, it, that's for, not good with do no it. with no cap on hours. Like that's the invisible hand, right? Like mm -hmm. we saw that happen, and there was a reaction to what the horrors of the twenties, mm -hmm. and now you have regulation. Like right, yeah. So the, okay, so I, the more we talk about this, the more I think democracy and capitalism are very tightly intertwined because they're kind of they they have a, a really important similarity which is that that they're bottom up in theory they should in theory democracy is bottom up and in theory i think probably more in reality well maybe yeah capitalism is bottom up if you're not creating value no one is going to vote for you with their dollars so before we uh, before I agree that capitalism is bottom up, like if capitalism is is private ownership of wealth, then sorry, um, so popular. Then uh, I I put it on airplane mode, but I'm still getting calls, so I've officially become the guy that doesn't know how to use the the Betamax. Um, <laughs> well, maybe it's the airplane calling. Right. This is the pilot. So, um, like the oligarchs, right? Mm -hmm. uh or or the the robber barons of the 20s you know big oil big big railroad you know big underwood deviled ham and the <laughs> big deviled ham <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um you know ma bell all that kind of stuff like the i don't know how 
I don't know how bottom up it is now. Um, oh yeah, be, no. Because I, I'm, like, I'm if you look theory. at well, fair enough, like, but that depends on the starting position. I think like if everybody, if everybody had an equal starting point with their with their private property, then I then you start off with it being mm -hmm. bottom up. Yeah, I think now this it's is... bootstrap bootstrap with a, I was just with a gun say, in your mouth <laughs> i was just gonna say like this is the part in the conversation where everybody who's pro-capitalist says it might not be the best system but it's it's a shitty system but it's the best one we have well and everybody that's on the shit under the stick of it is like well i'm gonna be the guy that beats it i know you're the guy that beats it but you know <laughs> but if you were gonna pick a, if you were destitute and you and you could Scotty beam me to a country where I had the most opportunity. Would it be China? Would it be Turkey? Would it be France? Would it be Canada? How would Mexico? I even how would I even begin to judge? Like how would you even begin to judge? There's there's a um there's a report. Have you ever seen this report that's like um happiest country? Have you seen this? <laughs> I feel uh, like I have like a, and I think it's a Norway happiest country or report there. or like I think it might have morphed into like best quality of life and like finland wins it like the last three or four years in a row yeah because they have bikes and weed bikes and, and weed are legal. so but anyway like so is is capitalism good i it's like what's the point what are we trying to achieve <laughs> it right boils what's down your to that. end yeah but like when you when you said the thing i don't know you said something earlier on like you know when and this has come up on our on our a bunch of our chats like when you aim at an abstract goal everything is justifiable. Like all behavior is justifiable. So profit's my goal. Now I can use slave labor in China to make, you know, pencils with the fuzzy heads and the googly eyes. Yeah. And, you know, so it really is so much about what you're aiming at and how can you have a top down direction on, it comes back to our no kill clubs where you would almost have to say, you know, or, or maybe the government just, uh, maybe that's what happened in, in, and I'll get the country wrong, but Denmark or Finland or Norway or Sweden there, I know they're not all interchangeable, but let's just pretend that there Racist. they have a massive social the safety net. They have a very high taxes that uh -huh. they're generally speaking, the quality of life is better. There's more time off, uh, where people are free to kind of pursue what, will bring them meaning and fulfillment but yeah. there there's super high taxes there's yeah, super and, and high wealth redistribution through the government there and other people would argue that they're nato states and therefore the united states they have this benefit the united states is basically partly their army because they would defend them you know it's like it gets so complicated but what you said something that triggered i think an important well they're also insight. by the way there there's no diversity right so we have the disadvantage and the advantage of having to cope with the rule of law being our in a perfect world our defining characteristic that yeah. would allow all tribes under the under our law to um to begin to coexist rather right. than some cultural abstract it's like the um but anyway you're yeah so so the the profit motives you, you just clicked something just clicked might be something probably not but it's my jaw i think <laughs> my hips um that a i think an effective company you, let's say there's a company that wants to be a force for good and they've got a mission that most people would agree is a good one you know 
getting rid of malaria or something, you know, like something that people would just generally perceive as a public good. In absence, so, and they, they are, and they are totally focused on pursuing that goal. In absence of values, that can go way off the rails and get very Machiavellian. So I feel like there's an underpinning that, that would benefit society if it were there, which would be a shared sense of values, shared sense of right and wrong. I don't even think it's as high. I don't even think it's that as, is as abstract as ethics, but that would be in there too. But it's, it's values, morals. Like I am not going to be this kind of person. There are certain things I will not do. There are certain actions I will not take. Even in service of this important goal, like, like let's say, oh, I could rid malaria, but I have to kill these three people to do it. You know, these three innocent bystanders to do it. It's like, it's like, well, you're going to say no. Like, ideally, you would say no. Like, okay, the, the, the vision, yes, malaria probably kills like way more people than three every year. But if I just kill these three people because they've got this weird blood type and I need their blood and they won't give it to me. And the scientists tell me if I just get this blood and then you go like full house of cards and like throw somebody in front of a train and, and like, well, we got the blood and we saved all the people, but I'm a murderer now, right? Like I feel like in absence of values, I'm not even going to go so far as to say shared values, but just values, like first principle, what kind of person am I? If you forget about that stuff or you chuck it in pursuit of any goal, whether it's capitalist or whatever, I feel like that's there. There might be, I feel like there's something there. There's like a key there where a mission without values can cause you to lose yourself in the mission, to lose yourself because the things that make you you get compromised, right? Like that, that feel, that feels like there's something really, I'm feeling really smart right now. <laughs> well, I feel like this, this, this is, it's probably, uh, I mean, this ties back to an, something that you were saying on a previous chat, which is, which was really smart too, which is like, how do you replace the fabric of organized religion in our society that right. provided some kind of shared you know, values? Right. And, and then it was, you know, do we do the no kill clubs and it's got, you know, some, you know, gra grassroots shared, shared values that kind of guide the work and would presumably like flow into I'm not going to kill this person in moments when you would be obliged to do that versus like I'm starting a business and I'm going to take, you know, some of these shared no kill club values in, in, into everything that I do. Mm. So like, I'm, you know, what, what are some of those local organizations like the rotary club? Like I'm going to be mm -hmm. a rotary club yeah, the Elks, member, right. but the rotary club now is about no kill and um, you know, not mm. putting profit above human dignity. How about that? So like, We'll mm -hmm. always measure our value based on, you know, in, in the equation between like face-to-face -face human dignity of the people that are engaged in the production and use of what we're doing, human dignity has to trump the pursuit of an abstract like, uh, you know, wealth or, or, or money. That, like we have to remain concrete in our sense of value mm -hmm. uh, for, for our business, but like there is nothing that does that right now, except for, I mean, there are no rules. We're fully decentralized. Nothing is governing this right now. There, there's no expectation of that. People are uh, applauded for breaking the rules because like, it, it's crazy to me. Like you, and I know th this will maybe go off on a, a tangent, but like our, the corrupt mayor for the city that I worked in 
was a, he was a criminal. Yeah. And people celebrated him. Like federal prison. And they 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 celebrated him and and it's because there's this there's this tacit understanding that we carry with us that's like I don't blame you for doing what you had to do for you and yours. And whoever you however you define you and yours is it your family, is it your tribe, whatever it your is. City. Like I do not I I'm not in my heart of hearts, I know I would have done the same thing. I would have bent or broken the rules. You know, you're not a rule like you're not a rule follower. Like I've I've You're a maverick. Like, you're a maverick. Right. You're a you maverick. Get things right? done. You're out right. in the, the planes with your big stupid gun. Screw bureaucracy. You know, you knew the yeah, right yeah, thing yeah. to do, you know? And you followed your gut. Right. <laughs> right. right. I wish I couldn't find my gut to follow it. That'd be I can't find my gut. Why are you constantly trying to make me follow you? Mm, I'm always I don't know, but there, but there was some I'm trying to remember what the name of the tax that there was a tax structure for businesses that tried to get at this and I just it's cannot B Corp. remember what it's it was. B Corp. B yeah. Corp. It's B Corp. So okay, so check this out. I think this is where capitalists get a bad name. Where they will break every rule, they will break every norm, they will break they're incentivized by their shareholders to bend and break every norm rule anything that's not going to get them jailed so they're gonna they're gonna four fouls every game talk shit they're gonna do everything the sportsmanship is in the garbage there's no sportsmanship whatsoever like in the worst kind of capitalist like those are the ones that get the bad name learn the rules and game it until they have to make new rules to stop you from what you're doing find the it's like that's right yeah it's like the dress code when we were at hendrickin like oh well i'll just wear parachute pants those aren't jeans Oh, and I needed the, to have fabric over my crotch. I, what chaps are not no, nothing, specifically disallowed. I don't see anything here about chaps. Chaps in a jockstrap. That actually probably would have been very popular. <laughs> I, at least with some, at least with a couple people in the administration, it would have been like, "Can you come down to the office?" <laughs> yeah, come down to the office. <laughs> we need to talk about your outfit, brother. Why are the brother? Why are the lights out? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Good times, good times. Good times. So, all right. (laughs) But man, the church, we really need the church back. So, all right. That's right. Right. So that's where they get a bad name because they become mercenary. But here's the thing. Like, I kind of, I'll kind of hand it to, I think there's a, I think there are people who are, they're like, look, this is the game I'm playing. This is the game we have here. This is the game we play here. I entered into this game. And I'm going to play it with sharp elbows. I'm going to be whatever. Name a basketball player that everybody freaking hated. Robin. They're going to hate, but I'm going to win. I'm going to be a winner. I'm going to, I'm going to. Trump. Trump. Yeah. Everybody knows, everybody knows he's not playing by the rules. Nobody cares. He's a winner. That's what you do. Break the rules. There are no rules. Throw the rules out the window. Rules are for suckers. Rules are for suckers. Right. Retails for suckers. Right. It's all. Catch catch me if you can. That, that, this is why like ground up isn't going to work because they're like, we, we are so unevolved in terms of of being able to aspire to the the basic tenets of our constitution like where all men are created equal and where uh the rule i don't know i don't have a good quote for the rule of law but let's pretend the rule of law is in it um <laughs> like the rule of law like it dawned on me one one day that uh that people would always say strength is in our diversity and i was like that's a really nice platitude but really why what 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 I don't know. Like I, otherwise I wouldn't have found out about euros. Like 
I love, I love a good gyro, you know, but like, um, and I probably wouldn't have encountered that like without diversity and Steve's, you know, shop. And I, I, I would argue that in, innovation, I, I, I would not to interrupt your joke cause it was funny, but the, I, I would argue that diversity leads to lots of innovation. And I think innovation is the seed of value creation. So I, I do think diversity is big. I, no, I, I, what it, what I, I landed on was like, if you aren't diverse, then you only have your tribe to deal with. So like, this is the ease of Norway and Finland and Sweden is they, they're, it's a tr straight up tribe and they don't have a whole slew of cultures to reconcile. Uh, they're, you, they're almost entirely homogeneously white and, and they're not very, coping very anti, with the yeah. level of. Uh, immigration and cultural diversity that we have here that demands the rule of law because we need to all be equal under the law or you can just go tribal and go for yours right mm. so like that to me is like once you once you decide to move from a tribal governance one mm -hmm. where you know i can do whatever i want everyone in basically of my agrees tribe, everyone agrees then then at that point, you're really moving towards acknowledging our common humanity and that we want to treat each other in a, under at some minimum standard. And that's why we have this law that's intended to treat every... Now, we fail in implementing that all over the place, no doubt. But like that's the benefit of the rule of law from my perspective, is it, it, it starts to break up these tribal... Tri it, it offers an alternative to tribal, which to me is just ends up being might makes right. Wait a second. So like, it sounds like you're saying, and maybe, maybe I'm hearing you wrong, or maybe you're jaded because you're actually in this machine, but isn't rule of law bottom up? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to, to think of it that way. I mean, it's like you do I policy, so. right? Like yeah, policy, I, how, like, don't you have to stand in front of a room of screaming soccer well, it's, moms? It's, it's, it's bottom up in a, in a full on participatory democracy, which we, we don't have. That's, you know, where, where every citizen is literally voting on the laws. And then right. you get to, you know, we've got this representative democracy that, you know, how representative is it? And then you've got, then you start to wonder, like, are we really an oligarchy where, like you were right. talking about money in politics? So yeah. is it bottom up? I mean, who, who's got a voice when you, I don't know if this is true or not, but I constantly hear it in the, in the progressive left, like Bernie mm. Sanders stuff, mm. where it's like, you know, do the impression 80%. So I, I wish I could just do a Larry David impression. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. They're it's awesome. But it's like, you know, they, they are, uh, you know, all of our policies are favored by the majority of Americans. Well, okay. Well that would, if, if we were truly in a, that's correct. Like then we're not in bottom up. We're in something else. Cause those things aren't happening. Yeah. I no, I agree with that. I th it's I think it's it's the only system of government I'm aware of that makes it even possible and we've got this sort of representative layer in the middle there and we've got the money and politics thing and I agree I think there's like uh it feels and very the corporate voice like it feels yeah that is like the, freaking the, weird like let's it's freaking let's weird let's all just take for granted that a corporation should get to it's freaking weird okay I guess so like it's weird can a corporation but get the all death the people penalty? that are in it are already voting and yes. all the people in it are already donating. Why is this thing donating as it's well? So weird, so weird. It's, it's like an organism. I, I was thinking earlier, like it's, this. This is the a corporation, a body, under, a corpus. A cor yeah. 
it right well that's what i was about to say it's like an organism or an ai yeah and in absence of values it will it will achieve it will it will die trying to achieve its stated goal but in absence of values that could actually be extremely counterproductive extremely destructive you know make everyone our goal as moogle is to make everyone happy and so moogle goes out and and deploys an army of robotic plastic surgeons to make everybody have a smile on their face surgically like literally you know I mean? on their face like it's literally. now it's it's just pasted to the cheek yes they just staple a smile on everyone's face we want everyone oh, yeah. to be smiling all the time and they just they just send out an army of robots to do that it's like that's that's what you know a sci-fi author you know an isaac asimov would be like like i robot it was like if you're going to deploy this i mean organism's not quite the right word but it's close you know carbon or i mean a uh, a silicon organism or a corporation corpus corp, corporation organism to achieve an end in absence of values it can go horribly wrong because that it the thing doesn't get it. It's like the machine doesn't understand that it's violating a broader meaning, a much more, a much deeper or more important or foundational thing. It's like, yeah, the humans have to program that in, but they're not programming it in. Right. Like that programming is, I feel like that programming was the domain of the church for a long, for for hundreds of years, thousands maybe. But, but also in parallel to the, if you charted the strength of the church and and chart and and charted the um the spreading of of wealth like it was arguably worse before Agreed. capitalism yeah right the, the, the it was it was philosophy uh, of slaves right is that what you said yeah it's like a panacea uh, to the masses like don't like, don't cut our heads your, off there's some lovely filth over here dennis like it was like that's <laughs> how can you tell he's the king because he's the only one that doesn't have shit all over him <laughs> not old <laughs> so back. yeah i mean it's like <laughs> you're up there <laughs> i i think there those values didn't there's something where not only do you have to have an institution or a not institution that has those values but they have to be deployed in some way into the political system and into the the private equity system i guess yeah like you can't just have it can't just exist and also, yeah, yeah. I, I keep coming back to the no kill club thing because it's like, I'm just like, I can already hear people being, you know, if, if the, if the, if the mantra, if the slogan is humans don't kill people, it'll just turn into like a, well, what's a person like, oh, you're, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, like right uh, away, also, it'd be like, oh, well, a mass murderer is not a person. Did we talk about defense as a member of the cult? of the no kill club we a little bit yeah like it, I, it might have been on text messages though like does it have is does it have to be turned the other cheek See, like my my feeling not to not to loop back to this but it's funny how it's central to so many things well because even if you take the walmart example like if you're if you're setting your supply chain up in that way mm. i'm like let's just assume uh, no kill club is on a spectrum of no kill and then you know do no harm and what level no, of, no, no of, that's way too far for me way too far like I, I if i understand what you just said well i'm just trying to think of like how do you extrapolate from how would you take a, a grassroots um approach to 
uh, bringing meaning or values to the distribution of private equity through corporations and businesses. Um, uh, how would you do that? I wouldn't do it like, that way. Well, like if you just took Walmart as an example, I right. think you would, how would you be able to calculate the impact of shuttering small businesses and, um, so you're taking it so much farther. Yeah. It'd be impossible. Impossible. Like I wouldn't go there. That's why I keep on saying like, it's not about do no harm. It's about, I won't stick a knife in someone until they're dead. Cause right, it's so the no clear kill club part. Right. But I was just trying to like bring the two things together. Like how I, I don't think it's possible. I, I think it's literally impossible. But what you might be able to do is disrupt Walmart. I think Walmart, the organism, is going to keep doing what Walmart, the organism, does until it bumps up against uh, a referee that has the violence at its disposal to change the rules. That's right. So it would normally be put that way, but that is exactly the truth of it. And 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 these are policies. I mean, we've been talking about this stuff for a long time, like. Globalization was a policy that was at first consistent with um, with capital D Democrats, you know, inclusion and, mm -hmm. uh, and spreading our wings. And we're not a nationalist; we're open to everybody, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. then all the jobs went overseas to people that you know could be paid so much less. And then mm -hmm. everything became really expensive for working people, and and the jobs weren't here anymore. These are policy choices that were made. Yeah. I mean, top down policy choices that were made that were by elected this officials. Is, this is the right. This is, this was the referee functioning, but not either ignorant of the impact of what it was doing or or understanding what it was doing. But in any case, has been unwilling to do anything about it since it happened. We could I, we could I would love to actually talk about that because I think I'm on the other side of the fence from where you are because you're so much more on the front lines than me. So it allows me to be extremely ivory tower about it. Um, but that'd be a good thing to talk about. I don't, actually, I would love to talk about policy in general, because I think policy is very interesting. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, it's fundamentally different from laws. It's, it's just like, here's the deal. <laughs> I struggled for a long time to know what it was. It's a very interesting thing, policy. Well, it's kind of, yeah, we should talk about that, because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, we should definitely do that. In the meantime, in the I meantime. think that we decided that that capitalism is uh, needs to be paired with a light red wine, um, mm -hmm. a rosé, perhaps or something along those lines. Yes, yeah, so but a on champagne. its own, it's yeah, yeah. It needs, it needs to be, be like something. Right, right. You end up with an if in absence of foundational core values, you end up with an organism that eats everything. Also, just to say this too, like, I think there's this assumption that the only way to get all those pluses is through private equity, like through private ownership, rather, that mm -hmm. if not for private ownership, we would never have gotten all these amazing things that we have. But I wonder if you stack up what, um, what the private market has developed on its own, unsubsidized, and stack up what has been developed, um, through uh, academic research, mm -hmm. maybe if you just took in service of uh, of health and the military, yeah. I wonder if if yeah. public dollars have actually driven more innovation than the private market, or if they're competitive in some way. Like the I'll idea would right. be that like a government dollar 
is should be worth 50 cents of a private dollar in terms of innovation and development. Mm. But I'm not mm. sure that's true. I, I, you know, I, me neither, but I wouldn't, I mean, you can draw a direct line from government dollars to the internet, self-driving cars, GPS satellites, and these, these provide what I would consider a public good. So, well, look at Elon's company, very controversial figure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of people that would say, you know, I mean, his, one of his companies is comparable to a, a public space agency for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah. So it looks very public good. And then the electric cars is something that people laud as a public goal for, for two decades to get there. Yeah. So, um, Plus, he's sending satellite hookups into Ukraine for, for no money in two days' time. Right. Yeah. It's about... Oof. All right. So we got lots of cool, like, fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> but you are, my... you're got to be set to expire, for sure. Got to eat my point. rice. Yes. All right, dude. Till so next time, when we either continue talking about capitalism and Elon Musk's stinky armpits, or uh, what was the other thing that we said would be good? Policy. I'm super interested policy, in right, the right, definition policy. of policy. That would be great. Yeah. You can you can opine. Nice. Finally, <laughs> I get to opine. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Say hi right. to everybody. All right, later. <laughs>